0: We have covered dozens of cases of missing persons here on Cold Case Detective, and it is always difficult to understand how someone could just vanish off the face of the earth without any answers or closure for their loved ones. What is perhaps even more daunting, however, is when entire families disappear. In today's video, we'll be exploring two eerie cases of families who vanished without any explanation. Gary Felton and family. Back in 1986, Gary Felton was working in England at a computer software company. It was here that he met a man named Simon Anthony Cadwell, whose birth certificate he stole so that he could request a passport for himself. Although it is unclear why Felton did this, what is clear is that after receiving his new passport, he left the UK to travel extensively. Most notably, Felton spent time in Australia and India. In 1997, Felton, now 32, met 17-year-old Chantelle McDougall at a seminar he was preaching at in Melbourne, Australia. He offered her a job babysitting his young son, and eventually Felton left his partner and began dating Chantelle. It wasn't long before the couple fell pregnant with their first child, a daughter named Leela, and the pair settled in Nanup, a small town in Western Australia. Felton was still going by his alias, Simon Cadwell, and Chantelle had no idea that this wasn't his real name. She did, however, know about Felton's cult activities. During his lifetime, he had published several books about his spiritual beliefs, creating the Truth Fellowship website, as well as an online chat forum, which was named The Gateway. Worldwide, Felton had about 40 followers, who dubbed themselves the forecourt and they devoted themselves to a sacred text written by Felton called the Severs of the divine plan. The book prophesized the birth of a new world of higher consciousness at the end of a 75,000 year cycle. Felton claimed that his followers should prepare for a judgment day where they would cross over into a higher dimension. Ultimately, the plan was that his followers would take their own lives in order to achieve this goal. At least two of his devotees actually carried out this final act. In the months prior to the disappearance, 45-year-old Felton, 27-year-old Chantel, and their 40-year-old tenant, a follower named Antonio Popic, who lived on the couple's property, began telling friends and family that they would soon be leaving for Brazil where they hoped to join a religious cult in Rio Branco. Felton also notified his followers. While Chantel and Tony were well-liked and involved in their local community, Felton was not. He reportedly spent much of his time indoors on his computer and had a tendency to stay up all night and sleep all day. Chantel worked as a swimming instructor while Tony was employed at a hardware store. His boss noted that he was a diligent worker Felton did not work and was supported by his girlfriend and follower. Neighbors described him as paranoid and eccentric and they recalled a time that he became so concerned by the installation of a power pole that he broke out in hives. He claimed that the pole's electromagnetic waves would bring him harm. As a countermeasure, he buried magnets in the garden and screamed at Tony after he began digging them back up. Reportedly, Felton exerted much control over the other adults who acted submissive towards him. Chantel's parents believed she was scared of her boyfriend, although police found no records of injuries or domestic violence reports. Tony, Chantel, Felton, and Leela were last seen on July 13th, 2007, when they sold Chantel's vehicle for $4,000. In the years since their disappearance, the money has sat untouched in Chantel's bank account. In the weeks prior to the sale, the family had also rehomed their dogs and chickens and been in contact with their estate agent, telling him that he could sell or take the furniture as they had no need for it. Chantel's mother also noted that a passport had arrived for six-year-old Leela. Six days after they were last seen, on July 19th, the couple's landlord entered their abandoned home. There are mixed reports about how it was found, with some sources saying it was neat and tidy, with others claiming that dirty dishes littered the kitchen countertops and other surfaces. Either way, the couple had left their possessions behind, including their wallets and credit cards. A note was found attached to the door, which simply read, Gone to Brazil. Investigators later found out that Tony's father had given him $25,000, which he believed his son needed for a legal matter, although the money was never traced. In October of 2007, Chantel's parents reported her and Leela missing. They were concerned that they hadn't heard from their daughter in months. Likewise, Tony's brother reported him missing one month later, expressing the same concerns. Authorities discovered that there was no record of the foursome leaving the country, and they were unable to find any witnesses who had seen the family either in Brazil or Australia past July 13th. Upon examining Felton's computer, however, they found a chilling statement that the 45-year-old had written in the months before the family were last seen. He had posted it to an online journal. It read, I am exhausted and the only option left is to leave this world." They also managed to make contact with a follower of Felton's, who revealed that he'd discussed his plan to kill himself, Chantel, and Leela by overdosing on barbiturates. However, she stated that he then changed his mind and decided that they should live in isolation instead. In 2013, the Western Australia police found evidence that someone using Tony's ID stayed at a Northbridge hostel named Underground Backpackers on July 15th, 2007, just two days after the family were last seen. His driver's license was used as identification so he could rent the double room. Around the same time, Tony's phone was used to purchase several train tickets. The purchaser traveled from Bunbury to Perth earlier that day and then got on a train to Calgary the following morning. The tickets had been bought by someone using the name Jay Roberts. No evidence showed that other members of the family had been on board the trains, and it's unclear if this was Tony on board or if it was Felton, and he'd simply stolen the 40-year-old's identity. Although authorities appealed to the public for information on this individual, they were unable to gather any useful information. Jay Roberts has not surfaced since, and Tony's phone hasn't been used since either there are a few theories in this case. At one time, it was believed possible that a young homeless teenager who slept on the streets of Rome, Italy was Leela, As she had been 16 at the time, the girl bore a striking resemblance to Leela's photograph and spoke with tourists and locals in English. However, this girl has since been identified as a young woman from Sweden. Another theory in the disappearances is that the foursome were on board the Tan Airlines Flight 3054. On July 17, 2007, the plane veered off at the end of the runway at Sao Paulo Airport, narrowly missed a highway and collided with a fuel depot before bursting into flames. All 181 passengers and crew on board were killed and nearly one third of the bodies were burned beyond recognition. However, a joint investigation by Brazilian and Australian authorities concluded that the family had not been on the aircraft. Online sleuths tend to believe that the disappearances were a result of a murder-suicide, or possibly that Felton took the lives of Chantel, Leela, and Tony before going on the run. It has been suggested that he stole Tony's identity, or that he now perhaps lives off the grid. Over the years, there have been four alleged sightings of the group, but none have ever been confirmed. The Western Australia police force is still investigating the disappearances. A 2018 inquest found it impossible to tell whether or not the foursome are alive or dead, as there is no evidence to indicate either way. A clinical behavioral psychiatrist named Chris Geyson noted her belief that Leela, Tony, and Chantelle are all dead but it is possible Felton is still alive. Gyson described Felton as a narcissistic con man. If you have any information about the disappearances of Gary Felton, Antonio Poppick, and Chantelle and Leela McDougall, you can contact Crime Stoppers Australia on one 333 0 The Salomon Family. By all accounts, the Salomon family were an ordinary, hardworking and popular family in their neighborhood of Northridge, Los Angeles, California in the 1980s. Sol Salomon, a native of Israel and his wife, Elaine, met and married in the US in the 1970s. Together, they purchased a home on Lassen Street in LA where they lived with Elaine's 15-year-old daughter, Michelle, and their nine-year-old son, Mitchell. Sol ran his own business, which involved maintaining, repairing, and refilling fire extinguishers, and he was in charge of four employees. Meanwhile, Elaine was a stay-at-home mother. The couple also owned several other properties, which they rented out. The Salomon family were last seen on October 12th of 1982. Although their disappearance was not reported until two days later, when concerned neighbors noticed their pool was overflowing but they couldn't get in contact with anyone in the family. Their loved ones also expressed concerns for the family at this point, along with Sol's employees. Local police officers arrived at the scene and they found the family dog still leashed up outside. The doors were locked, so authorities had to force their way into the home. Inside, everything was quiet and still. Nothing was amiss and there were no signs of a struggle. There was nobody home either. Valuable items, including $2,500 in cash, jewelry, and electronics had all been left behind. Two of the three vehicles the couple owned were still in the driveway. Elaine's Rolls-Royce and Sol's work truck sat untouched outside while their Mercedes was missing. Upon further investigation, law enforcement officers found a small amount of blood and blood splatter in Michelle's bedroom. The splatter was on the mattress and the wall. A piece of carpet had been removed from the floor and was covered with a bathroom rug and the 15-year-old's bedsheets, duvet, and pillows were gone. Outside of this, however, there were no clues about what had happened to the family or where they might be. Authorities also struggled to find a motive for the possible killings, as after speaking with Israeli officials to gather more information on Sol, it was discovered the 35-year-old had no criminal record and was not associated with crime in any way. He came from a steady background and had served as a police officer and spent time in the military. Elaine had no criminal history either. In the days following the disappearance on October 17th, The wallets and passports of Elaine and Sol were discovered on a stretch of highway known as the Antelope Valley Freeway, near Acton, California, about 29 miles from LA. There are mixed reports about whether or not the children's passports were also found here. Despite this evidence, no more leads surfaced in the case for several weeks, and locals began to speculate and gossip. Rumors circulated that Sol was involved with the Israeli mafia, which operated out of the LA area, although friends and family heavily denied these allegations. Soon, the police told media outlets that they were familiar with Sol and had been even before his disappearance. However, they declined to elaborate further, adding only that he had not been linked with criminal activity. For many, this was a bizarre statement to make And many online sleuths have wondered how exactly Sol was known to authorities, speculating that perhaps he was an informant. However, there is no evidence to support this idea. A year passed with no progress on the case. In October of 1983, a man named Ashley Paul came forward to police after a private investigator working for Elaine's mother encouraged him to do so. The man who worked as a cab driver in London told the LAPD that he had seen his cousin, a man named Harvey Radder, shoot Sol in the head on October 12th of 1982. Radder was not unknown to police. A British citizen, Radda had moved to the US in 1978. Back in his home country, he had countless run-ins with authorities under his belt and had gone to prison nine times he had been convicted of over a dozen crimes, ranging from armed robbery to theft and forgery to the unlawful possession of a firearm. Upon entering the US, he had claimed to have no criminal record, and it wasn't until a few years later that officials discovered his lengthy criminal history. On the night of the family's disappearance, Sol had arranged to meet up with Radha, The pair had a shared interest in the restoration of vintage vehicles and Radha owned and operated a car repair business. At around 6 p.m., Sol is known to have left the house to attend a car auction with Radha. However, the auction ended at 5 p.m. that evening. According to Radha, he dropped Sol off at an Israeli restaurant afterwards, but authorities discovered the eatery wasn't open that night. After leaving Sol, Radder claimed that he then returned to the Solomon family home to drop off Saul's truck and pick up his Mercedes, which needed repairs. While this last part of the story may seem reasonable on the surface, a friend of Elaine's would later testify in court that the 39-year-old mother of two had hung up early at 1.30 p.m. because Radder was at the door. He appears to have been the last person to see the family alive, reportedly. Sol had invested around $20,000 into Radda's business. It was speculated that the pair fought on October 12th because he was unhappy with the details of the venture and wanted his money back. Sol told at least one person about this fight. Returning to the story of Radha's cousin, Paul claimed that after Radha shot Sol dead, he went to the Salomon home to take the lives of the remaining family members because they knew that Sol and Radha had been together on the day of his disappearance. Afterwards, the bodies had been removed from the house and wrapped in bedsheets and placed in the family's Mercedes. Following their deaths, Paul stated that he helped Radha bury the bodies in a desert area near Acton. Paul demanded that he be given immunity in exchange for his testimony, although many members of law enforcement believed he was more involved in the murders than he let on. After failing four separate polygraph tests, the police rescinded his immunity offer and he was charged as an accessory to murder. The charges were eventually dropped and Paul returns to England where he refused to return to the US and rejected the idea of testifying against his cousin. Despite this, and despite Rada denying any knowledge of the crimes, the police built a timeline of the fights Sol and Rada had and the subsequent threats that were made by Rada against Sol afterwards. And eventually, despite a lack of evidence and bodies, he was charged with the murders of the Salomon family. Rada was arrested in Arizona in 1988 following his release from prison for passport fraud. Rada's first two trials ended in a mistrial, During his third, prosecutors claimed that the motive for Sol's murder stemmed from the $20,000, which the 35-year-old wanted back. Their evidence was limited. They knew Sol and Radha were together on the night of the disappearances, and as mentioned before, Elaine's friend testified that the mother of two had hung up because Radha had come to the door. Radha also had scratches on his forearms, which were thought to be from his victims fighting him off and witnesses placed him in Elaine's Rolls-Royce on the day of the crime. However, three witnesses for the defense claimed that they saw Sol in the city of Carpinteria, California, in the days following the disappearances. One of the witnesses was a civilian dispatcher for the Carpinteria PD, who saw him in a pharmacy. The pharmacist working the counter corroborated this sighting. The defense also said that Sol and Elaine were having marital troubles at the time the family vanished and alleged that the 35-year-old was involved with illegal drug and firearm trades. The jury deliberated for two days before acquitting Rada in July of 1992. Following his exoneration, he continued to maintain his innocence and sold his story, hoping it would be turned into a made-for-TV movie. The disappearance of the Solomon family is still unsolved. Although Ashley Paul attempted to lead authorities to the family's burial site in the California desert, he could not locate it. No evidence of the family has been found in the years since Radda's third and final trial. Radda's whereabouts in recent years are unclear. Although he wished to remain in the US where he had a son and an ex-wife, he was in the country illegitimately. And at one point, officials did consider deporting him In the years prior to the vanishing of Saul and his family, Radha had been the prime suspect in the disappearances of three other people. 47-year-old Joan Davis and her husband, 54-year-old Peter, were last seen in Los Angeles on March 17th of 1982. They were both British citizens and had reportedly had business dealings with Radha before they vanished. Authorities believed that the three of them had engaged in some kind of business-related dispute Several months before this, a Burbank businessman named Ron Adib went missing after he left for a meeting with Radha. In both of these cases, the victim's vehicles were found in the LAX car park following their disappearances. However, Radha has never been charged or convicted in either of these vanishings. The Salomon's family case leaves far more questions than answers. How was the perpetrator able to control the entire family well enough to carry out the killings? Was Sol working as an informant? How did the police know of Sol? How was the family able to afford a Rolls Royce, a car known for its exorbitant price tag? The house was almost immaculate. How was the culprit able to keep the house so neat and tidy during the presumed murders? It has been theorized that Sol had taken his family with him on the run from some dangerous people, but they were caught while fleeing, hence why their passports and wallets were found along the highway. However, one officer who worked on the case told LA Magazine that he believed the evidence was planted to throw off investigators. He believed the perpetrator took the bodies in the opposite direction. Additionally, this officer believed that Harvey Radder is responsible for the disappearances and described him as a smart guy and cunning. In that same magazine article, Michelle's best friend described a time that her father came home and was worked up after Saul had shown him some weapons he was selling. Meanwhile, in 2007, Elaine's mother stated her belief that Saul was indeed involved in shady illegal business dealings and that her daughter was unhappy in the marriage. However, without bodies or a confession, we may never truly know what happened to the Salomon family. If you have any information about the disappearance of the Salomons, you can contact the LAPD's non-emergency line at 1877 275 5273 And there you have the facts. Please leave a comment down below with your own theories and speculations. And remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. You can also support us on Patreon for the chance to have your hometown featured in an upcoming Cold Case Detective video. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.